You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast, podcast, podcast. If Beasley ever retires, you can probably take his job. Fuck Beasley is annoying. I swear to God, why is he still there? You don't like Beasley? I remember as a kid. No, I hate Beasley. This is, a we- this is a weird turn. I wasn't expecting this. No, I wasn't. But you know what? I had this mentally noted we should talk about the wave, and it fits right into this whole concept because people were bitching about the wave loss as a game. Like it's um some sort of superstition, and I get it, but I have a problem with the Saddle Dome and the, the entire game experience as a whole. I got to agree with you on that one. And Beasley is part of the problem, my my friends. That's that's where I'm at. When that guy, is, when it goes to intermission, here's I don't know as a as a young fan of the game at the dome growing up, all you give a shit is the team winning. You don't give a shit about no fucking free hats. You don't give a shit about no fucking. Oh, you're talking about the you're talking about the host guy. Isn't that who that is? Beasley? Beasley's the guy who goes, Jerome Aguila. Like, who's the, I totally, yeah, I hate, I thought you were hating on Beasley. Who's the guy, the host? I don't know what his name is because I haven't been in the dome in a while. I thought that was Beasley. That's not Beasley? No, Beasley's just the guy who announces the goals and shit. Oh, he's a fucking boss. Yeah, the other guy, the who, what is his name? Why is it escaping my mind? Because I hate him. You can hear him on the broadcast all the time too, right? Like in the, in between the whistles. It's like, shut the fuck up. He is literally worse than the wave, folks. Eh? I, I give a fuck shit on a free hat, free this, free that. We're giving Dude. a free hat to allow to spin PO4. Fuck <laughs> it. It's like you're losing to the fucking senators on a Friday night, and this dumbass is giving away hats. It's like the what? Okay, we got to break this down because we need to talk about this. Because people were literally, I swear to God, 85% of Twitter after last night's game was blaming the wave. And you have, there's different groups. All right. I did a poll to get a consensus to, to figure out what is going on. Is the wave a real issue here? And this sounds kind of stupid, but we're going to get into it because it, it speaks to a broader issue i think that we're going to get at here so out of 300 votes 17 percent of people love the wave 42 percent hate it but 41 are neutral so from what i can gather the people that don't like it 
They only have a big issue when the game is close or you're down by one goal. Okay, if you're ever down, why the fuck are you doing the wave? That makes sense, right? The I wave is I, I don't when did this start? Like I haven't been to a game in forever when the wave has been going on. Like what is this, nineteen ninety-six? The last time I swear to God, the last time I saw the wave was like early 2000 shit being in the dome. If it ever is going on, I would not participate because I'm not a loser. (laughs) Okay. So here I'm one of the people that actually enjoys it. The wave. I don't get it. Well, a lot of people don't apparently, but from my perspective, it's just like, (laughs) yeah, this is fucking funny, man. More than anything. I find it entertaining. However, I agree with the people that say it should not interfere with the context of where you're at in the game. If you're down a goal, there should be no wave. If the game is tied and you're late in the game, there should be no wave. The wave should be reserved. It's just like, would you Bronx cheer the goalie if it was a 2-1 game? Would you do the, if you're in Montreal, do you do the ole ole if you're, if you're losing? Do you do the ole ole if it's tied with five no. minutes left? No. No, you do the ole ole. You do the what's the one of the playoffs? Na 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 na. You do na 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 when you're down in a in a playoff match. Eh? Do you do na 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 in fucking game six and it's overtime? No, context. So I don't know if it's somebody starting the wave, or because a lot of times I remember being at games and they put it on the fucking jumbotron. Let's get. It's that fucking guy. I don't guess. I guess I don't know why I'm blanking on his name. It's too late at night and it's Sunday. I I know exactly what he looks like, what he sounds like. He's got the stupid blonde hair, right? Yeah, exactly. He's the in game. We're looking at life three teams and two not teams. Not as bad. Who's the cokehead? Who gave that guy a mic? Like, shut up. Is the name Steve? I want to say Steve. That sounds right. Can't you Google it while we're talking? I'm Googling it for four hours. Nothing will come up. You can't. It's hard to find. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Apologies to Beasley. This is who I thought Beasley was for some reason. Oh, Beasley rules. I don't pay attention. Beasley does rule. The real Beasley. This fake imposter Beasley. Beasley. This guy is part of the problem here. But I can. I distinctly remember. They'll throw it up on the jumbotron. They get that little stupid ocean motion or whatever. And then that the the phony Beasley comes on. Let's do the way fuck. Again, reserved for when the game is in hand. That's it. I agree. I agree with that. Then and only then. And then there should be never any bitching about the wave. If you don't like it. Yeah, I agree. If you don't like it, don't be like me. Like I I could care less about like 90% of things. So, but I don't actively have an issue with the wave, but I understand what you're saying. Now, I don't know, man. Let's talk about this because the dome, now playoffs aside, playoffs, it's probably got to be top five best atmospheres in the league, you would think. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're there at a playoff game and it's rock and you're like, holy fuck, well, how could it get any better than this? Right? Or there's that one game that Chucky's talking about. I think it was when they came back from Colorado in 1819. Or no, it was the Philly comeback, wasn't it? Yeah, Philly, and then they went in an OT, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, that's the loudest I've ever heard in here. Yeah. He's like, you just knew we were going to win when they came back. Because they scored two goals within with the net empty, didn't they? 
Yeah, I remember. G- didn't Geo score one of them where he's like right in the crease? Now the the thing is, the dome is weird because unless something exciting is happening, you can hear a pin drop. Actually, it's it's even worse. It's like reversed. It's like you can hear everybody chattering and talking, and nobody's paying attention to the game. It is very weird. There's a lot of chatter, um, and I don't know if it's because it's an old rink or what, but it, it's not it's not super noisy when you're in there. Now, when the game is intense and it's close and there's a lot of action, then it's a different story. It instantly gets loud and the acoustics are great and everything like that. But I don't know. Is this a problem? I mean, you know, we had the, what was it, the home opener and everybody's excited. It's the first game back in however long, two years. And Daryl's like, yeah, we need our fans to be loud. Is that why they suck at home? I mean, we got to talk about this. They're one of the best road teams, if not the best. Nine, two, and two on the road, three, two, and three at home. Now, it's not that they suck. I mean, they still, they all play the Jets, but, you know, they don't really have a home ice advantage, do they? Does it seem like they have home ice advantage? No, it seems like it's the opposite. It seems like they play much, much better when there's less distraction and shit on the road. And how much of this is the crowd, the fan? the fans in the building because if they're jacked that creates more adrenaline and creates more focus. But if they're just kind of like chattering unless something's going on and I always see it, people complain about it. It's just like people kind of complain that it's kind of quiet and stuff. But from my experience, that's just the nature of the dome. Unless there's something you get excited about or it's playoffs. It's pretty quiet. It's kind of always been an issue, and even before this year, when like there's less people there and stuff. Um, I I don't know. I I I feel like this is more of a a team. I don't know. Like, do, did they suck last year when it, like they noticeably sucked on home ice last year? I feel like when it was empty too. Yeah, I don't know. I just remember this always. It's always been like this. Always. Do you know how goddamn hard it is to find what this guy's name is, even though I know his name and I know exactly what he looks like and what he sounds like? Oh, yeah, I can picture him. Oh, we're doing the Tim Hortons. Dude, I could do a police sketch and they would fucking have the guy arrested in three hours, but I couldn't tell you his name. I don't remember. It's Beasley. It's been a while since. Oh, you know why I associate him with Beasley? Because he's always saying Beasley, right? Yeah, Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. Dude, you know what? It's you, isn't it? You have blonde hair. You like to grow it long. You sound exactly like the guy. You're the problem. Totally busted. Okay, last. My last. Swear to God, my last point on this. But I remember even going back as a kid, it's always been like this. And I remember, and I think this is when I used to play hockey. And, you know, you're always – focus is so important. Everybody knows this, right? Sports, anything to do with results, like you need focus. Like you meant the mental part of the game is huge. I remember like being going to these games. It's like this is the echelon of hockey. This is the best league in the world. And for the most part, I'm there following the play, what, whatnot, yada, yada. In between plays, you got some bonehead just screaming, just distracting all the fans from the game. So when the puck drops again, it's like it, it's – I have more of a problem with that than the wave. I think that's creates more of an issue with the crowd, distracting them from the game, pulling them away, pulling them out of the game. It's kind of like the reverse Chucky factor, 
right? Chucky's dragging your team into the battle, into the game. That promotional bullshit is not helping, you know, the engage the fans in the actual game on the ice. It's all my, my last point I want to make it up. It's like know if you... really, really important face off at the end of a period. And all you can hear is like, we're giving away a Dodge gift card to provide my homes by Abbey. <laughs> it's so dumb. It is. I fucking hate it. And it's worse than the wave. Okay. The wave is actually pretty fucking sweet. You know what? One more thing I want to say about the wave. I always thought, and this was as a kid, right? And maybe that's why I love the wave. Because, I, you know. As a kid, you're like, this is fucking awesome. You've never seen anything like it. I always thought it'd be cool if the top bowl went one way and the bottom bowl went the oh, other way. Oh, shit, yeah. Get some, like, hurricane action going. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be gnarly, eh? That'd be cool. Okay. Wow, we were on a weird, yeah, weird tangent to start where the that went. I don't know why I can't remember that guy's name, the in-game host of the Saddledome, and I don't know if he listens. Maybe he's nice, but... Anytime I'm at the game, even when I'm not at the game, I'm reminded about how much he drives me nuts because I can hear him. It happened last night. I'm sitting there watching. It's like 2-2, really close game, and I can hear him going on about T-shirts in the top bowl. It's like, buddy, I, if you're nice, get shut up, okay? Like, once the once the play starts, shut the hell up. I think it's just, like, do they really, like... I guess like, they must make a lot of money with those promote. Can they not get more creative? It's been the know. same for like 25 years. <laughs> do they still have that giant A&W guy every once in a while? I think they do, don't they? I haven't seen him for a while. You know, the A&W bear, the mascot, and they put that A&W, whatever song on. <laughs> have you ever won anything? Have you ever won that? No, hat? I haven't won shit at the saddle ever. Ever. I don't even think it's ever been in my section. I've never seen them in my section ever, not one. You know who does a great job of it is the Calgary Stampeders. They should get whoever runs all that shit for the Calgary Stampeders to do that at the game. Like it's actually, it's actually interesting and it's not fucking annoying. And (laughs) as like they're doing that stupid team, they still do the Tim Hortons donut, find the squiggly, like, you know, when they put it under the cups. There's like three. Holy shit, dude. Okay, if they are, I mean, it's time to come up with something new, no? If they are going to demolish the saddle dome, I hope all this dumb shit goes with it. I don't want to say anything nice about that guy because I don't even know his name, but maybe maybe they can demolish (laughs) his job at the same time. All right, let's get to some hockey. Let's start with the Winnipeg Jets game. It's the freshest. It's the loss. Actually, you know what? No, we have to start with Chicago because... Yeah, I can't go from being, like, annoyed no. to, like, oh, yeah, they were great against Chicago. No, we got to end on a low note. Yeah, That's exactly. what this podcast has thrived on. God damn right. But you come off a seven-game road trip. Historically, that's a tough first game back at home, especially if you look at you had seven games in 11 nights. You have one night off, travel back home, you play again. That's a trap game. People were calling last night a trap game. I don't think last night was a trap game. The Chicago game's a trap game. They kicked their ass. They were awesome. And the biggest like, that's all I have to say is they were awesome. The biggest thing for me, I know you didn't catch most of the game, but you're tied 2-2. So Dubay scores first. Early, you go up early. It's a bad goal from Fleury. I don't know what he's doing. Terrible goal. Hagel ties it up. 
great play by the fourth line. You have relentless forechecking from Richardson Lewis. Richardson causes a turnover, finds Lucic. Do you see that snipe? Dude, that was sick right over the sh- or right over the shoulder on the short side, baby. I don't recall has Lucic ever raised the puck <laughs> and scored as a flame. Seriously, though. No, All his goals his, are along the ice. Five hole, likes likes maybe inch off the ice. That was a snipe. That's sweet. Yo, like snipe. straight up, Lucci's has been fucking great this year. Like <laughs> you know, in yeah. his role, like he's been awesome. Seriously, I would I would pay him two point seven easily. Easy. That's not what he makes though. That's <laughs> why we. That's why there ha- always has to be some harping always because everything's in context around here. But fuck, that was a nice goal. How many goals does he have now? He's got six goals, isn't he? He's got double what Coleman is. Yeah, six goals? He has seven points. Six of those are goals? Five goals. Five goals. Five? So, wow. For, that's basically playing fourth line minutes while he's got PP. He doesn't have any PP points. He doesn't have any PP goals. I think he's got that one goal, member. Or no, no, Manjupani. I was thinking the Washington where he kind of was the screen. Yeah, I don't think I think they're all five feet five goals. Yeah, he has been great. Charlotte ties it up. Now here's my biggest my biggest thing out of this whole game is the push that they put on the ice in the third. Yeah. Cause like they're they have to be fucking tired. They have to. And I know this is one thing that Daryl Sutter's been talking about with the media is that these guys are in great shape. And that's something we're not accustomed to in the last five years. Right? Let's crack yeah, yeah. a beer on the train, bro. Let's fix our problems. Yo, let's just pump the tunes and bracky. Yeah. Don't they just have like why don't they just fucking have like open an open bar at the practice? Like just fuck <laughs> dude. Like why don't they have like you everybody's seen the national lampoons, you know, family vacation where uh he's in the pool, Chevy Chase in the pool. With some hot broad on on vacation, getting into trouble, and then he starts screaming. Everybody comes out, and you know he's trying to explain to the kid that uh, he wasn't he, he wasn't cheating on his wife. He wasn't hitting on her. She was a, a server in the pool, just going around taking her order. <laughs> That's what they need in practice. Need a server hey? to come. Yo, Ras, fat Ras, you want a cheeseburger? All right. Like you know, you know the crew that they have. You're sitting in the president section at the dome. Just hire three of those guys throughout practice. Oh yeah, anybody want a chicken wings? Hey, eh? like when they're on the just you know, on the bench. that's probably what's like been going on the last five years. With word. Yeah. Might as well, eh? But I honestly haven't seen. I have not seen what we saw in the third period against Chicago. I don't. I don't know how long it's been. I like it's been. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen it. Like I don't recall. It's been that long, where they were like they willed a win, and we've been talking about this, where you just like if you're always going to be stuck in these two two games, and what's their record when they score three goals? Like. 400 and zero. I think they're, <laughs> they're like defeated oh, almost. They have like one loss, maybe. And they're Owen like 95 when they don't score two or less. <laughs> like you just need to score three goals. 
and you're in a situation that's 2 2, it's in the third period. Chicago's on the road. You should be tired. And they're just like, fuck it. We are like, that's what they look like. They play, they're playing like, we are going to win this game. And this is so different from the Gauls and shit we saw, which just, we are know, going to lose this game no matter what. The Gauls and shit was just like, no, just keep on playing. You know, if it goes in, it goes in. Trust the That's system. trust it. No, they were they decided just the, the effort put forth was you could see it. It was it was unbelievable. It blew me away. I it literally did. I have I don't recall seeing them noticeably while you're watching them being like, yeah, they are they're deciding they're gonna win this. Like when they started doing that, you just knew that they were gonna fucking win. Like I was super impressed. Yeah, the Flames in the third period, 21 shot attempts at five on five, Chicago's nine, 11 scoring chances to Chicago's five. That's the third period alone? Yeah. Yeah, they were just like, fuck it, we're winning this. Yeah. I mean, it's, that top line was like so good. Which is interesting because one of the, we talk about these themes that you hear from Sutter post game. Before we do these things, we're always listening to Sutter's post game because that's where all the great context of, you know, this team comes from. And it was the opposite with, you know, previous coaches, Joe coaching. But one of the main themes that he's saying is this team needs to learn how to play against the bigger, more physical teams. That was his message in the last two games against Boston, against the Islanders, two of the best checking teams in the league. He played them again. He played another team in the Jets last night. Sutter says the same thing after the game. Chicago's not one of those teams. And it was nice to see them actually impose their will against a team that they could impose their will against. Because like we said, you hadn't seen this under previous coaching. Yeah, like... I think the best way to put it is like you put it with the Golds and so forth. It's like they, they, you knew they were going to win. Whereas so many other times in those tight games in the third period, and it kind of happened against Winnipeg, but even though they played good, it was like, fuck, they're, they're going to they're gonna lose this, aren't they? They're just, they're just not going to make it happen. That's with zero power plays. There's only one penalty in the whole game. Chicago. What's one... going on with this penalty shenanigans? But like the officiating has been whack over the last like what like ten games? Like absolutely whacked. It has been, and maybe it's just one of those stretches where it's going to even itself out. I don't know. It just kind of seems like a lot of it's game management, though, because this team is quite frequently up in games. Oh, totally. Like, oh, the Flames up two nothing, and all of a sudden had like four penalties against them. Weird. They're still yeah. they still lead more than any other team in the entire league, I think. In terms of like I, overall time spent leading. So that would be an interesting stat. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but the penalty called ratio against teams that are leading. Would that not be like you telling me you couldn't demise and uncover some sort of game? Totally. That, I, that's totally something you could do. I, I guarantee you see that because you've seen what they have proven, and it's not even proven, you can just look at the numbers as the teams who draw the most penalties also get the most penalties calling against them. Like it's almost a it's almost a perfect linear correlation. Right, because they do make up calls. Because it's yeah, exactly. It's ridiculous. So 
I'm sure, I'm sure those two things would be correlated over the over a long term. So this is interesting because we haven't, I don't know if we've seen this. If you look at the game stats as a whole, 39 to 31 of the shots for Calgary, zero was for zero on the Only power play. Only one power play. The Flames had 61 one. shot attempts in this game, 34 scoring chances, 11 high danger chances, and 68% of the expected goal share. Like, geez. So they did have 68% of the expected goal share? because Yeah, if you're reading my stats, I fucked it up and had it switched. Okay, because I was going to say, I don't remember seeing that. But Rasmus Anderson had a great game. Oh, he was awesome. Hannafin was good too, but Rass was great. Two primary assists, 83%. Expected goals for at five on five, 74. And like, you know what? Like, that's a game where you just see how dominant the Flames are five on five, seeing as there's only one power play in the whole game. Yeah, good point. And again, like, kudos to Rass because in the past two seasons, one of these trap games, he would be one of the guys that is a big issue. He's been really good, and I, I I don't know if it's just because he's in like better shape or just the system they're playing is so structurally sound. But um, the one of the thing that the thing that is the most impressive to me in all of this is how Sutter has this these D playing. And I know we'll get into Zadorov struggles against the Jets, but like there has been the biggest concern for I think everybody was like, "Hey, fucking Rasmus Anderson was so bad." Like, do you remember how bad this guy was last year? Oh man, he was one Brutal. of the worst players in the league, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. Remember how bad him and Gio were together for a while, though? Holy shit, dude! And they've been, Here. and he's been awesome this year. So, like, the the way the flame, the, the way Sutter has the flame, like, you could put anybody back there, and they'd be probably producing results, but. He's been very good. Have you been tracking Geo's numbers at all? I haven't even no. I think the yeah, struggling. They're not going to pull Vegas. I don't think. Yeah, no, they stink. Well, you, you look at the way they draft, and you're like, well, why wouldn't you model what Vegas did? I get it. They they I I get the argument why they didn't. They wanted to be more cap savvy, but why? You have a proven model that worked. They did the exact opposite of Vegas, it seemed like. Yeah. Just took, like, all these guys who, like, are okay at defense and didn't get any skill and didn't maximize any any value on anybody. So, so are they going to trade their captain? They're going to trade us for, like, a first and a third with Valimaki and something probably. <laughs> I wouldn't even – well, I would you be – I'd be open to the idea, but I don't want to trade in a lot for Geo. Well, let's have a quick conversation because before anybody gets too excited, I mean, so I saw somebody on Twitter yesterday already saying, okay, well, if this team is, you know, keeps it, keeps it up when we're in a playoff spot coming down the home stretch, Brad better fucking add, but we have what, $300,000 in, in cap space. It's not a lot. It might be closer to a million. I think as of today. So how much is that going to shift? He's got to get really fucking creative because if you know, you, we know Brad, you living, he's not, he's not one thing he is. It's, it's not creative. And we know he's not removing anything. Oh no, you're right. It's like 300 grand. That's right. So unless here's, here's the only situation that I can say that we could, we could add an actual big fish is if Monaghan or Lucic goes down with an injury 
Yeah. You put him on the long-term uh, injury reserve and you pull a Tampa Bay Lightning. And you can bring him back. Oh, Sean suddenly has a injury. Oh, his hip. Oh, his hip is acting up again. It's his old man hip. Oh, yeah, there he is with the cane. Yeah, there he is. It's totally legitimate. Look at his numbers. It's totally legitimate. <laughs> Somebody breathed on him and he broke his leg. He uh, bent down to take a face off, and then it took him like a minute before he could stand straight up. Yeah, so he's on LTIR. But the thing, like the deadline cap space, I think, because it accrues over the season. Um, so it'll be like probably in the million dollar range, I think, as it is right now. So, are there league doctors that police that? Like seriously, Dude, fuck, I don't know. Like you got to think the lightning, like totally, like that was total bullshit, right? Like, hey, well, how, I don't yeah. mind, but there's no way Kucherov couldn't have come back sooner. So, just happen to be ready for uh, game one, eh? Right. But like, how easy would it be to fake a concussion? Hey, it's like, oh, what's the deadline here? Okay, he got six weeks. Let's just sh- put Monahan on the shelf. He's got a concussion. We'll bring him back for the playoffs. Dude, so you could put Monahan in the AHL hey? at this rate. He could do light skating on his own. Keep practicing. That's pretty much what he's doing in games right now is light <laughs> yeah, no. skating. So <laughs> should they? So, but on a on a, on a like, hey, honestly, what other options does he have? Can he put Lucic down to the minors? Can he put not Lucic? He and him. He's got a no movement, right? Yeah. Uh, what could he do? Could he put anybody else down there that makes money? Well, you could Big bury money? Z- you could bury Zadorov. Um, he makes three seven five, so you could do that. I don't just how do you add without removing? And you know he, you know he won't, you know he can't remove. Like he's, he's mentally incapable of letting go. <laughs> he'll add geo, like that's the only thing he'll add is something that we used to have. That's the only way he'll remove. Right. <laughs> exactly. He'll probably pick up Forbert and Gustafson again too, for shits and giggles. So post game Sutter, you start to hear that um, he's got these guys working in seven game segments. But one of the things he says after the Chicago game, because somebody, yeah, I forget who it was, might have been Tori Peterson, but asks Sutter something along the lines of, you know, when when your team is buying in, is it a lot easier? And he goes, no, it's not easy. You're trying to make the playoffs. <laughs> we had to change the whole approach to our team, which we already know he did. And we're starting to see the effect that it had. And as fans, I would say, what, 98% of the fan base was like, remove Jeff Ward and half your problems go away. Bring in a guy with you know a slight competency and watch – Big changes happen, and I mean, no one's predicted this, right? But he goes on to say it doesn't happen in five or ten games. It happens over 82. And so this is interesting. This is a good lead-up into the uh, cover, recapping the, the Jets game because, man, it's interesting. Even though – what's our record? 12-4-5. 12, 12-4-5. Every loss – fucking sucks 
I guess I guess they don't all suck, but I, that I don't I didn't like that loss last night. That pissed me off mentally last night. Even though if you look at the game stats, what the deserved win, I mean, or you put well, that up. Yeah, but again, it's it's what we're well. I think it's a little bit beyond because I think we did see a flash of the old flames last night. Hundred percent. Um, where it's like, yeah, like you were saying in the Chicago game, they were going to find a way to win. They totally dipped after the first period last night. I don't totally think they dipped. Didn't, didn't totally dip, but they dipped. They dipped. Um. Well, now you do have to give kudos to the Jets, though. No, totally, and that's what I was going to say. Is like, hey, the Jets. This is how the Flames are losing games. They're losing games because. Even though, again, like look at look at the stats last night from the game. Um, from the game, the Flames dominated all night. Specifically in the first period, they were insane. But the team with a lot more offensive skill was still able to squeak out a win because you couldn't score more than two goals. That's how they're losing games. They're losing games because they can't score. Teams who have offensive skill, like that's been kind of the. In every game they've lost in regulation, say maybe against, save for that Montreal game, it's kind of been what's happened. It's like game one against the Oilers. It's like, well, they were great at even strength, but the Oilers have a lot of guys who can score. And on the power play. Yeah, that's what you saw last night. Well, no, they. Kyle Connor, who can put the puck in the back of the net when they need to. Yeah, well, the reason why I bring that up because it is a tough loss and I think you're right. You did see a bit of the old flames, but did we, I think more so it's, if you're looking at the sample size now is 20 games plus. If you're looking at this season alone, then I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the old flames, what we saw last night. Right now. I know we're all traumatized, so it's it's virtually impossible to remove those emotions, like you can't. But if you're sitting here logically, you break it down. I don't necessarily chalk that up under uh, old flames bad loss, even though we all felt it emotionally, because you come out flying, you're up to nothing, and even as a fan, you're sitting there you're like, holy fuck, man. These guys are going to crush the Jets. They didn't come out flying. They had, what, eight shots in the first, what, 70 seconds of that game? It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, they came out flying. It was crazy. So you're sitting there, and but this is human nature, and you see it in every sport, literally every sport. But this is where you continue to learn if you're the Flames, right? If you're Daryl Sutter, you need to learn what Killer Instinct is like. And I think... This is one of those things where you hear the cliche a hundred times a season. You've heard it a hundred times with this leadership group, with this team in the past three seasons. You got to take it and learn from it. That means absolutely dick all when you're not actually learning shit like we've seen the last five seasons. But I think if you take this, what we've seen so far in 20 plus games this season, right? If you're just looking at this season, and the difference that we've seen from this team as a whole, from the coaching staff down, 100%, they can take it and learn from it. And one of the key things that Daryl keeps on saying that he says after last night's game against the Jets, right? He says it again. We still need four lines to score. Yeah, totally. And we still need, and he says, especially the young guys, to handle the physical part of the game 
the Winnipeg Jets, he says that's a veteran offensive team over there. And he's saying this against some key teams. The other ones was Islanders, Islanders, the Bruins. He says these are teams that have they've they've not only did they play the right way, they've been doing it for like five years. Dallas as well. Dallas, yep, same thing. The Jets are one of those teams, right? They're big, they're physical, they don't cheat the game. Like you're not you're not getting a night off because the Jets stunk, right? Like it's not gonna happen. And so everything's a process with Daryl. He's playing the long game. It stretches it over 82 games. So I do think that this is a situation where this team, you have the right guy at the helm, can actually learn from the situation and be like, okay, look, here's why we lost. You're up 2 nothing. You should have won. You outchanced them, but you didn't score enough goals because you let your foot off the, the gas mentally thinking that you're going to cruise to another win. Didn't happen. But if you would have stuck to the X's and O's, this thing that he's preaching so much, you know, the physical, keeping up physically, you would have won. You would have granted another goal. So I do think that they can learn from it. Oh, yeah. And he even talked about that uh, um, with the goals against, like the first goal um, that was scored. That's a play, the fourth line. I thought the fourth line had a, had a rough game. Um, but that's a puck that needs to go out. They had the puck. They couldn't get it out of the. Oh yeah, out of the zone. They, were, they got stuck. It was sloppy. It was a sloppy yeah. from all five guys on the ice. So yeah, they were hemmed in. Yeah, and then fuck, man. I don't know, man. I like I watched it ten times. I still don't think Wheeler intended to pass it over to Connor. Just like ended up on a yeah. stick. But we got Connored again, and we're not even playing the Oilers. We got Connored by two Connors. Hey folks, we'll get back to the show in a moment. Just a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. The NHL season is underway. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unreal offer. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or country yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed as everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets. Either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You gotta be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. There's a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Wait, does Connor... Who's does, freaky looking, more weird looking, Connor? Or? Dude, Kyle Connor is legit. What do we call those things? They ride the horses? A jockey. <laughs> <laughs> if you're walking down the street, you run into this guy, you never seen him before, you're like, that guy's definitely a professional jockey. Eh? That's what he looks I, like. All I was thinking last night is like, because Kyle Connor is a bit of a weird player... He's kind of like what Monaghan used to be when Monaghan wasn't terrible. It's like he doesn't really do much, but then he scores like two goals and loses, wins games for his team. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, that's great. Great. That's what Monaghan used to do. Yeah. Right. That used to be me. Sad state of affairs. Those used to be me. But yeah, the Flames sloppy, you know, like Daryl's saying, they, they lost, it was like they lost their focus, lost their, I lost my train of thought. Um, Puck management was an issue, and 
they just kind of got running around their own zone a little bit too much and couldn't score. So, Well, yeah, I think it's safe to, to expect Kyle Connor is going to get two goals against us every time we play the Jets. I mean, how many times do you have two goals against us? Like every, like every, the last five games we played against them, it seems like. So you know you need to score at least three goals because Kyle Connor's getting two every time I play these guys. Well, and all four lines scoring, that's two, that's lines two and three because top line's doing everything for this team. The fourth line, even though they had a rough night last night, they're scoring goals. Lucic has five goals, you know. Um, it's lines two and three that need to – Need to be scoring goals. Like we said, Coleman has three goals. Backlund has four goals. Monaghan has two fucking goals, dude. Both power play, right? Does Pitlick even have a goal? No. Nope. So. I mean, Dubé has been struggling, even though he got one the other night. Those two lines need to start scoring goals. Big like, and, and they even had chances last night. And it is like, because I was thinking about this on just before we were coming on here. I was like, hey, what do they need to do to score goals? They just need to. F- bear down and finish dude like how many times have we seen monahan has that backhand chance right in the slot last night i mean if he if he raises the puck an inch it's in the net and he can't raise it well that's the same you're saying backler monahan monahan yeah exactly an inch this is a guy that is uh is it a confidence thing He's the fastest flame to 200 goals. And he like that's what he's that's what he is now. He's it's been the unbelievable. most unbelievable. Before Lindholm has turned into him, he was the most clutch goal scorer since Drew McKinley. He can't even fucking raise the puck in tight. And I think Byron Bader, friend of the show, tweeted out something like Monahan had doesn't have a fastball anymore. You know, like he's lost it. Man, I think it's true, dude. It's starting to look like that more and more. What did I say? Eight games, two, three games ago. So I'll give him six. That's it. What is That's he on pace for six goals this year? Jeez. Does he have a five on five goal? No. I mean, you look at the, who you're playing with. You and I could score two goals in the power play. Well, I the empty net. Last, empty net last night. Manjapani was on the ice over Monahan. Yes, and it's just like a no-brainer, but the guy Chillington on PP two, Coleman took Lucic's spot on PP two last night. Thank God. But yeah, you're gonna see some changes. I mean, Daryl, this is one thing Daryl does say after the Jets game. We had lots of opportunities. We did, like you said, you just said it. You look back, well, what was the problem? Well, it wasn't opportunities. You had lots, even on the power play. But Daryl says we just couldn't finish. And he says, and that's an issue with this team not finishing. So how much can you do as a coach? How do you like you know, skills practice? Like, like there's not a lot he can do. I mean, you can't, I don't know, teaching well, guys. Like, what are you gonna teaching. do? Like Sean, go shoot some targets and practice, brother, bud. Backland. Do some target practice. Like, it's always been I mean, an issue for this team. And that's why I've always been saying, like, they need another guy in there who can put the puck in the net. I mean, maybe there's some stuff in practice that Backlund can do, right? Like, could you hit an open net? Like, does he shoot left? Like, is he, maybe he's like a right, maybe he's a right hand shot and he's just never been, you know, like allowed to shoot. Like, Jesus, he can't hit the net. 
But I mean, for me, Coleman's the guy who needs to start. Monahan is the obvious one. But I think lost and all this is like Coleman's only got three goals. And I get it. I get it. He was brought here to be a defensive player, and he's been doing that. But you could fucking throw a dart out the window and hit a guy in the NHL who's a defensive specialist who can't score goals. There's there are a dime a dozen. There's millions of them, and they don't cost thirty million dollars over six years. So he's got yep. to start scoring goals. Yeah, and I mean, I I agree because they you you see it on social media. And a lot of people will argue, yeah, look how good he's defensively. But then why are you paying him so much? You don't pay a guy to play in your top six to not score goals and just be good defensively. He's got to fucking start scoring. You need him to. Like, it's not an option anymore. Like, Like, when was the last time he scored? It was in New York. I have no clue. Yeah, it's been that long. Um, like he scored two goals in one game for well, what? all intents and purposes. He's got two goals. He's, there's two games that he's scored in. Because what's happening is if the top line, again, the top line scored twice last night and they still couldn't win. So it's like if the top line and Manjapani don't score, you're not winning very often. It's not, <laughs> See, a, it's not a recipe for, for. Just as a side note in the same breath, but did you see the other stat? Jesus, which one? Since 2017, oh because God. because they won. Kill me. The other night without McDavid or oh, Dry, so they're registering yeah. registering a point. Yeah, jeez. A point. That's the first time, or no, sorry, the third time since 2017. <laughs> three times that the Oilers have won a game when neither McDavid or Dry Silo score a point. That's incredible. I don't know. Like, what What would you rather have? Would you rather have the best two players in the league and, and the rest of your team couldn't win you a game, but they can? <laughs> what happens if one gets injured? There's no way Drysdale can carry the boat for like he did that one season. Well, it is weird because like, he, he hasn't been hurt that much. I'm surprised neither of them have been hurt for an extended period of time. Like, at this, like, what if they both get hurt? Well, what Connor's second biggest injury of his career happened in the last game of the season, so he got kind of lucky on that one, right? He didn't miss any game time. Coleman's last goal is against Pittsburgh, by the way, in the four nothing win. Fuck, dude, I'm like, I'm, I don't, I don't care how good you are defensively. Well, like I said, you could like, okay, how many players in the NHL are good at defense and can't score like a lot? <laughs> we need him to do both. We need him to do both. That's what he's here for. What did you think of the Lucci tip? Fucking bullshit. That's a five minute penalty. That is not. That is not. Like, Dar- Daryl. Double Darryl- minor max. I'd be fine with a double minor. Daryl broke it down after the game and said that's that's a minor penalty because the 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 match penalty or whatever it was was predicated on the notion that Demello was hurt. He's injured. Injured, and like Daryl said, he didn't look hurt to me because he was back the next shift. Well, and the listen, the panel talked about this, and they're like, "Oh no, yeah, he was hurt. He's bleeding, but is it he's hurt or he's injured? Because there's a big difference there." Well, and like, what I don't know what Demello's doing there. Like for me, like. That's a pretty standard hockey play. You're going into the corner. You've got a big guy bearing down on you. Like, from what I saw, Lucic starts engaging contact with him pretty early. Like, he knew he was there. And then he just, like, pulls a tight move and turns around. Like, 
and I'm going to bend down, put my face right around where the boards stick out. Like, that's Sense. asking for trouble. So, I mean, if you want to give Lucic a two-minute minor, okay. Ridiculous. That was five minutes. It should have been double minor. Like it, even though the Flames killed it off, like, man, they're good at penalty killing. It was kind of a turning point in the game where the Flames kind of really couldn't get back to um, – I don't know if it was pace, but they just kind of were floundering a little bit after that. So there's the one play that um, when they draw a penalty during the five minute major near the end, that they're just passing around the horn. You're like, yeah, yeah, keep passing around the horn. Let their penalty expire. It'll increase the amount of power play time you get. But then Gabranson didn't get the memo, eh? Just kind of turned it over at the end. Love the guy. Hey, no, no hate against Gabranson. He's been unbelievable. Um, what did you think of Brady Kachuk's getting bit by oh, Lemieux? Geez, I watched that live. It was ridiculous. You watched it live? Yeah, I was watching that game. It was insane. I don't know what the shit the officials are doing. They were wrestling on the like this Lemieux prick. It was like hammering him on the ice for like 20 minutes. It was ridiculous. I don't know how Brady should have bit him. So I mean, the only reason why I bring this up is because we love Matthew Kachuk and kind of like Brady too. And he plays for Ottawa. We have no rivalry with them. So I mean, we have only animosity towards Brady. But his comments after were fucking hilarious. Oh, it was awesome. Like this guy's so a joke. You know, I, have, <laughs> I have to quote it here. This is what he says. I think it's the most gutless thing somebody could ever do. This guy is just, you could ask any of his teammates. No one wants to play with him. Which, I don't think, Dowdy's the same thing about Matthew, didn't he? So, I don't know where that's coming from. Is it, can, when, when players say this, is it true? Well, listen, like, the, the, guy, the guy's dad is Claude Lemieux, who's one of the biggest pieces of shit on earth. So, I don't know. Not biggest pieces of shit on earth, but biggest pieces of hockey <laughs> shit on earth. <laughs> says, this guy is a bad guy, bad teammate. Guy's a joke. He shouldn't be in the league. The guy's gutless. I can't really wrap my head around it. Children don't even do this. And then my favorite part, to cap it off, and this is just some Kachuk overall, you know, some Kachuk love. This guy's just a bad guy and not even a good player either. <laughs> <laughs> I love the shade, man. Absolutely love it. I love Brady. So, okay, Chucky scores a beauty goal. Yeah, hell of a play. Top line. Top line was phenomenal again last night and Lindholm scores that uh the Chucky goal from Goudreau is just like fuck that was nice eh well I mean I mean this is like Goudreau is so small like you see how fast you know like man and you look you look at the replay Goudreau he's not even looking but he knows exactly where he needs to pass it because he looked there like, what, three seconds before? Yeah. He goes to make the play. Makes a backhand no-look. Okay. Backhand no-look passes are one thing. Backhand no-look passes up the gut to a guy who's in coverage right on his tape. So that's he does, pretty – does, Like that's the, like you said, like these primary, primary assists he's getting, like they're, they're, all, they're beyond primary assists. It's like the guy couldn't yeah. have scored an easier goal. Well, that was a nice finish, though. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, I don't know who else who else on this team scores that. Maybe Manji Pony. Like you, you, you do a backhand chip with your toe over the goalie's glove. Yeah, like that was pretty sick tough. too. But my main point on this is like these two are starting. Chucky and Goodrill are starting to develop some pretty sexy chemistry. Are they not? Oh, oh totally. Used to be me. <laughs> Used to be me. And yeah, Johnny Goudreau, um, second in the league with in primary assists right now. With well, 13, and does Chucky, does Chucky not have a primary assist on all of Johnny's five on five? Those fucking how many? Every single breakaway he's had, Chucky finds him just from a ridiculous pass. Their streak, their five on five streak in the show game was was uh, nullified, but. Monty did get assist on Lindholm, though, right? That was a nice little drive to the net by Monty, I thought. Yeah, sure. I gotta give. Yeah, okay. I mean, with Monty, we're reaching, but yeah, really reaching. But just due to just I don't know, I guess everlasting respect I still have for the guy. Oh yeah. Still, I'm still reaching, even though my the light at the end of the tunnel is starting to just fade right out. Six games. He's got six games left. Used to be me. I so like I said, I do give the Jets credit, man. Like that, uh, if you're looking and at the sorry, Jets, just like for all the shit everyone gives Monty, he's got more points than Backlund and Coleman. So let's look at the point totals real quick here, because I want to touch on this. This is pretty remarkable. Johnny Gaudreau has 25 points. Yeah, and he's only, on pace only for three secondary points. He only has three secondary assists at that. It's enough. He's on pace to break. Uh, I guess I would. He's not on pace for ninety nine, but he's on pace for what over ninety? Oh yeah, ninety two, ninety one. On a on a defensive first team, on a not Sutter offensive team. first. Hey, yo, Johnny George, not a Daryl Sutter guy though. Remember, furthest thing from it. All right, pull up these quotes because <laughs> you were sending me this the other day. They're from the Sun. Yeah, I was having a hell of a time. And who wrote these? I think it was Gilbertson. Yeah, it was Gilbertson. Just going off. I'm trying to find it here. Gilbertson going off on how um, Goudreau, this is probably going to be the last. This the is last like we'll see of him. After Daryl was hired, yeah. The Flames can't score anyway, and their top-end talent can't compete with that of other contenders, so they're all better off rebranding themselves. Just, re- just Johnny? Nah, it doesn't fit into this new brand. Rebrand themselves. Defense first operation. You don't. What would you need? To, what would you need a guy that can set up goals? Defense. That's how you score goals. Play in your own end. You're gonna score. You're gonna outscore the competition. Under that scenario, the team wouldn't. Sorry, I just blew my phone up. Wouldn't run through Gaudreau anymore. Who does this wouldn't. team run through? Who does this team run through currently? Probably like Backlund in his what eight points. Probably run through Lucic, Zadorov, maybe Danov. It's gonna run through Danov. Yeah, it's defense first. But seriously, if you walk up to, to an average Flames fan on the street and say, Hey, who does the team run through? What are they gonna say? Got Johnny Gaudreau. Some people argue Lindholm, and I, I, I don't disagree with the argument, but the team runs through Johnny Gaudreau. 
However, he goes on to say Johnny Hockey is quite frankly the furthest thing from Sutter type player. The like this is a quote. Johnny Hockey is quite frankly had to throw that in there just to be frank. Okay, thanks for being frank. Thanks, Wes. Wes, really appreciate your frankness. The furthest thing. Not it's not even like it's not close. It's not even like in the mean or the average. It's the furthest thing. Johnny Gaudreau is the furthest thing. Like the furthest. From a Daryl Sutter type player. The furthest. 25 points. On pace for 97 points. Yeah, furthest thing though. Lindholm's got 23 points. Chucky's got 19. Manji has 17. Shillington, top five, 12 points. How good has he been? Furthest thing. But again, like Monahan, he has 10 points. Like, again, I'm giving him all this shit. And I'm like, man, he's got more points than Coleman and Backlund. I guess he gets power play time over Coleman, but. Yeah, but how many? I guess so. I think my saying, like, well, I think it's more me criticizing Backlund and Coleman's lack of scoring is it is Monahan scoring. It's like, okay, look at all the shit Monahan gets, but everyone's like, oh, Backlund and Coleman have been great defensively. It was like, yeah, well, I mean, Blake Coleman has six points this year. Like, you've got to pick it up. How many points is he on pace for? 20? You're going to pay a guy in your top six to score 20 points? Like, they've got to pick it up. Yeah, they really do. Mangiapani seems to be fine scoring. 15 goals. I mean, because he what, he generates his own turnovers and buries. That's pretty he could, much. He could play one. He could be the only forward on the ice, and he could he could handle it. <laughs> he's well. He's done that. There's right. Been... Oh, that's why he's got. He's got like what two assists. He just does everything himself and scores. I want this one more quote from Wes. We got to throw in here. <laughs> well, Sutter has delivered plenty of messages through the media in the past. This sort of shade. I'm not sure what he's referring to. Oh yeah, wasn't oh yeah, wasn't it after uh, Johnny probably after 400, Johnny's 499th game, yeah, 499th game last season. This type of shade isn't going to be uh, isn't going to be quite quiet speculation that number thirteen could soon be a goner. This has always seemed to be an awkward combo. Always, how long has West been thinking about this? <laughs> hard nosed, hard ass skipper. Who has success with defense first dump and chase style? Hmm. Guess he really studied studied uh, Sutter's. Guess he read like two articles about Sutter's style, eh? Yeah, must have read uh, two articles. One from Eric Francis and uh, the other from his mom, Diane. Diane. Diane's getting some uh, showtime here, eh? Yeah. How about you take a top off? <laughs> Come on. Man, that was the big thing when Daryl Sutter comes in. Oh, it's gonna be dump and chase now. They're in for it now. It's dump and chase. Yeah, well, it's just dump and chase. It's just boring ass dump and chase defensive hockey. Yeah, that's what Ward. That's the that's the game that Ward had them playing. How often do they dump? when they dump it in? Now they get it back. Like their transition game, their. Controlled possession entry zone is, is 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 really good, is it not? Oh, it's fantastic. Would you say they're a dump and chase team? No. Would no. You? I'd say I mean, a, it, I'd say they're a heavy forechecking. 
Dump, they dump and chase as part of their repertoire. But I think Daryl's instructed them. If you have puck possession and you can carry the puck in, don't give it up. If you, if you don't have to. Well, I think we've said it a million times and I think it's the easiest, the, the most succinct way to say it. It's not about dumping the puck in it's about making smart decisions with the puck at each blue line. Well, and he's, he's even saying stuff in his pressers talking about puck possession. So good one, Wes. Yeah. And again, like the, the thing that he talks so much about is checking. Like it's yes. not defense. It's not defense. It's, it's checking. checking. Hey, hey, Wes, it's not defense. Not defense first. It's a defense first dump and chase style. Wrong and wrong. Both wrong. It's not how he coaches. However, he goes on to say is known to be especially tough on his top guns. Oh, they're in for it. They are in for it. Surprise, a superstar forward who has oodles of offensive ability but lacks the size, strength, sandpaper, and selkie-like qualities that the Jolly Rancher is so famously fond of. I, I, you know what? That's something that bugged the shit out of me. Is like, yeah, I remember whenever he like, does nobody remember when he was the GM of this team and would trade for guys like Christian Husalius and Oli Jokinen and Mike Camilleri and Jay Bomeister? Like, was it was it the Tony Monte trade? Was, oh, yeah, he, he had he acquired Tony, signed Tony Monte too. Like, I the the Daryl Sutter likes big tough guys who play defense thing has been got to be the like biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, it's it's not that he doesn't. It's just not what his, his coaching style is predicated like, on. Yeah, like you remember his first few trades in Calgary when he was the GM, like after 04, like 2005, 2006, he trades for Christian Husalius. Then the next season, he trades for Alex Tangay. Then the next season, he trades for Mike Camilleri. Like, do Christian Usalius, Alex Tangay, Mike Camilleri uh, scream like big, tough guys who play a lot of defensive hockey? Like, no. It's always been the it's always been the biggest load of shit I've ever heard when people are talking about, oh, Sutter, all he likes is big boys from the WHL who hit and bang and can't score. It's like, I don't know what you – have you been paying attention in the last 20 years? Crazy. Anyways, I don't know how we got off on this tangent. Oh, Johnny Gaudreau is on pace for 97 points. Elias Lindholm in second place with 23. Matthew Kachuk in third place on the team with 19. Andrew Mangiapane in fourth place with 17. Then Oliver Shillington, fifth place, fifth, fifth on this team in scoring with 12 points. Rasmus Anderson, 11. Sean Monahan, 10. Dubé, 9. Backland, Top six role, I guess he's power play he's, time. They just flipped him and Backlund, but still hit the fucking net. Let's start with that. Noah Hannafin, <laughs> eight points. Milan Lucic, seven points. Blake <laughs> Coleman, you have six fucking points, That's bro. That's what I'm saying. Blake, you have six points. Six. You have to pick it up. I get it. Keep playing well defensively, but you got to pick it up, man. Like, fuck. Chris Tanev has fucking five points and you have six. You're a top six forward. And you fucking got paid this offseason. To be a top six forward. Nikita, Zor- Nikita Zadorov has <laughs> two less points than you and one less goal, Blake Coleman. And he's exactly. been fucking he's been in the press box for fucking like, half I don't a give season. a shit. You could be the best defensive forward on earth, but if you have two more points than Nikita Zadorov, buddy. Buddy, Trevor Lewis has one last goal and Trevor two less Lewis points is like than you. Fifty-eight years old. 
You keep putting him on a fucking empty nets with Milan Lucci. He's going to have more points and goals than you, Blake Coleman, in two weeks. Pick up your fucking shit in the offensive zone. Erica Branson has two less points than you, Blake Coleman. Brad Richardson has three points. You have six. You play in the top six. Tyler Pitlick. Pick up your shit. Yeah, pick your shit up, Pitlick. And I like Pitlick, even though he looks – I like him. I like his face. Looks like he's 12, but he's got a – Again, like he – okay, Pitlick you can forgive. Like, he's there sure, in yeah. a role to be – How much How he's much? He's a guy he who's good at D, 1.8 million. He's a guy who is good at D and doesn't score. Like, that's what I'm talking about, right? Like, these and, guys yeah. who are good at defense and can't score, you can throw a fucking dart out the window if you're in an NHL hotel and find a guy who's – Good at defense and can't score goals. They're everywhere. How much does Coleman make? Five, I don't know, like four points, and just fucking, I don't know, almost five million dollars. Five mil. Like who across the league is a defensive specialist for five mil? I mean, Andrew Mangiapane, who makes less than that. Good thing we paid him, eh? We gave all his money to everybody else. Yuso Valamaki. How many games? This guy's played like three games and he's, he's like, got two he's points. Like five minutes. He's got two points. You have six. He's played five minutes this season. Five. Michael Stone has zero points. He's played zero games, Blake Coleman. If he's played three, he'd have more goals than you. <laughs> Pick up your fucking shit, bro. Okay, kudos to the Jets last night. Um, the last point I want to make on them. Dude, huge um, kudos to the Jets. They just got destroyed on a back-to-back with a team who's playing well, waiting for them, and they hung in there, and their big boys won them the game. That's exactly what happened. And they they were down, but they fought back. They clawed back. They did. They fought and they clawed back. And Daryl Sutter even said, like, that's a good team. They beat Edmonton, you know, last week. They did a split. Back to back with them, but they should have won both. He says they lost in overtime. But well, I think outside the first period where the Flames were all over them, the Jets played like a near perfect road game in periods two and three. Yep. And then Kyle fucking Connors has to score two goals every time. But that was a good that <sighs> Hellebuck was was really good. He didn't have to make a lot of ten billers, though. That's our problem. We we have a hard time finishing. But then Markstrom, he can't save that. But fuck, does a well play shot. Yeah, that's a bad. I don't know what Hannafin's doing. Um, like Rasmus has got the guy, and for some reason, Hannafin just like totally uh, blows his coverage. And yeah, you you want Markstrom to have that, but that like you, you see the behind the net angle of that, and it's like fuck, that's a good shot. Yes, but again, I think that's a grain of salt loss, right? I mean, our PTSD wants us to fucking get emotional about it, but you have to break it down. You have to look at it. You're not going to win every fucking game. You're just not. I mean, what's the best record of all time? I mean, Chicago, they have 100 wins or 100 points. When they have 100 points, how many wins did they have? It wasn't it the Detroit year when they had like eight losses? Like in the 90s or some shit. Like you're probably going to lose what? 20-ish games. I mean, there's games like these, you're gonna you're gonna lose some of these. 
especially well, again, when they're fucking lo- they're losing the way they lose is pretty uh the formula to beat the flames is score more than three goals yep and usually that's not easy to do yeah. uh we're gonna yeah, be it's, it's uh, not it's tough to do but if you do it you're you have a good chance to win you have a really um tough challenge coming up the penguins are fucking rolling crosby's back is Malcolm back yet? No. No. Gensel's rolling. He's got eight goals and 10 assists in 20 games. But uh, this is going to be a good test, man, because I don't think you're going to be as – you're not going to have Lady Luck on your side because you played a good game against the Penguins, but – But Marshall won you the game. Yeah, I don't think you're going to be – you're going to have to play a better game. But like you said – even their their losses have been most of their losses outside of Montreal have been actually some really good takeaways. What was the game stats as a whole last night against the Jets? Well, like I said in the first period, like the like I we were I was watching the first two minutes. Like what was it? It was one nothing, and the shots were like eight two, like a minute into the game. It was wild. Flames uh, and they're up two nothing eight minutes in. Yeah, it was wild. The Flames finished the night with 53 shot attempts at five on five to Winnipeg's 28. <laughs> um, the Flames finished with 23 scoring chances to Winnipeg's 13. Oh. 11 of those were in the first period for the Flames. The Flames finished with 12 high danger chances to Winnipeg six. 10 of the Flames high danger scoring chances of 12 coming in the first period. And the Flames have a 63% expected goals for share to the Jets' 30 seven so most of this was uh most of this was like propped up by an insane first period definitely uh dipped after that first period so yeah i mean we've talked about it and daryl's he's (laughs) he has these common themes he just repeats himself right but one of the things he keeps saying is i mean finishing has is a challenge for this team and we talked about it already today. That's that, like, what can Daryl do, and what can the players do? Right? I mean, how much how much better individually can you be and push yourself to score more goals? At what point is it the the general yeah. manager's job to identify what the biggest issue is with this team and then help do something about it? Remember when Johnny was like begging for a line mate in the off season? Yep. Like me and Monty, you know, played with like five, six different guys. Yeah, I mean, like Richie's really good, but, uh, you know. Yeah, it, the time is now because anybody who thinks that this is like, oh, it's going to screw up the chemistry. The only thing it's going to do to not address this need is come back to haunt this team in the playoffs when it's like, God damn it, we played a really good seven-game series and we could, couldn't score a goal because – let me tell you something. I will forever be haunted by game seven, 2006 against the Anaheim ducks in round one. Flames are a very similar team. They were an awesome team that year. They were a super strong defensive team. Like I think Kiprasov had like one of the best goals against average in the whole world that year. You know, they had a Ginla. They had some really good players, but they didn't have anywhere near enough scoring talent, you know, like not even close and game seven against the Ducks, they couldn't fucking score a goal. They just couldn't score, and they lost. And They probably would have been a Stanley Cup contender that year. They were a Stanley Cup contender that year. They were one of the best teams in the league. Couldn't score. So, like, 
Now's the time for Brad Schlieving to make this happen because it's going to do the opposite of what everybody thinks. Like you, you, you don't get a guy who can score goals and it's going to screw the team up. It's going to address the biggest weakness of the team. Yeah. You got to find a suitor for Sean Monaghan that makes yeah. sense. It's got to, ha- it has to happen at this point. Like what, how much you can't wait any longer. You can't like, what are you going to wait? He's going to all of a sudden show Like, no, it's, it's time. And look, I would hope for nothing more for them to research totally. the team. I would really would, but if you're looking at how much you're paying this guy and you know, you have to move his contract in order to address your need and he's not addressing it for you. So, and I don't know, maybe you, you end up retaining some salary and that's how you get it done. Like I, who's going to take on uh what does Monaghan make? Unless you ship him to somewhere like Ottawa or somewhere where they just want a guy. It's going to be, he makes 6.35 and he's got a limited no trade clause. See, but I feel like Buffalo would actually be a good fit now. Hey, did you hear they signed Jankowski? Oh, really? Yeah. Where was he before? See, there's a guy that I'm talking about. Jankowski, he was in the he was on the minors. He was on a PTO with Jersey and didn't make it. Yeah. There's a guy. That's what I'm talking about. Guys who are like really good at defense and can't score. There's one. Damn it, doesn't. No, what do you think of um we gotta bring it up of Andrew Kane? If um <laughs> Obviously, he's not available if he doesn't come with all the sideshow. But I don't know. I pulled Twitter. It was pretty not unanimous, no, but it was, it was a pretty big no. I would say, what is it? Let me pull it up. I think it's like 75% of people said hell no. No, 75% said no. 17% said, yeah, do it. 13% said not really a problem. Just don't want the player. So much with the with the talk about fucking with your chemistry though. Yeah, that was the that, biggest thing. That with might the be comments. that might be the one that might be the one uh, exception to my like chemistry is bullshit rule. Right, but like at some point, if you're Brad, your your hands are pretty tied. I mean, you you can still do a few things, but I'm not saying that this would make sense to take a risk like this and. You know, then again, like there's there's the whole other element beyond hockey related to it as well. I will be honest, I haven't really read into all of this, all of the the storylines behind. I just know he's in trouble. He's in some serious. He's in some serious shit. Um, I don't. I don't even. I haven't read anything in terms of his response to it or whatnot. So I can't really even give a good opinion on on what uh, what all has transpired, but. Um, obviously it's not going to happen, but I use, I bring it up as a point in terms of like, how, how can you get creative and find someone somewhere, somehow, what's he get? What can he do? You know what? Like, fuck, he doesn't even need to get creative. He just needs for, for once to make like a savvy trade in the season. Like it never has happened. See, look, like don't here's get the thing. creative. You don't have to, you don't have to split the atom, Brad. Just make a trade, make a hockey trade. You got, I think you trade Monahan. I think Monahan is the way out. He's having a decent enough season. What did we say? He's got ten, nine points. You're laughing. Yeah, I, think he he has, nine? I think he has 10 points. He's got 10 points. 10 points. How many goals? I don't know. He's got two goals. I think the way out of this, like, is to, is to just like dump Sidorov or something and figure, like, yes, he makes 3.75. That'd give you enough room to bring in somebody who could score some goals. So. Because he's been bad the last couple of games. Yeah, he's 
yeah, yes. He was good, and then like, well, yeah, not so good, and then good, and then yeah, not so good. Where do you think Evander Kane ends up, dude? I does it does a team Arizona? Does a team take that on, dude? It's the NHL. They'll always take this weird shit on. Somebody on Twitter is saying Carolina. Yeah, they took Tony D. I don't think they're in the same realm. Well, I don't fucking know because I don't know any of this shit. But um, so what was it? Arizona he, um, take him? Just like I don't know. Who knows? Arizona will probably take him in. He'll score. No, Arizona does they'll, not. They'll trade Arizona, him for like a a sweet package or something. Yeah. Okay. You turn him into something. Arizona doesn't. No, they're not concerned with winning right now. Yeah. Exactly. So pick him up. And then just to turn him over. Yeah. They'll have a little internal project. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? So he. You might know better than I. I, I, I like I said, I haven't followed this fully, but all I, know I know that is he got in trouble with like gambling and shooting. there was some domestic abuse. And right? I mean, I think there was some stuff before this where it's like his teammates are like, "Yeah, this guy's a dick," and we don't want him on the team. So I think it is, is a pretty long, it's got a pretty long rap sheet of being weird <laughs> and being not a very good person. Do you think he finds a, he's gonna find a team? That's that your answer. It's NHL. Like he'll find somewhere. Montreal. <laughs> Although they just fired Bergevin, so probably not. Hey, they fired him. Yeah, I just saw. No him way. Twenty minutes ago. When did it happen? Just literally twenty it minutes ago. This morning, I have been very busy this week and haven't been paying attention to hockey, but I don't think it happened today. Well, I don't know. I still think, yeah, maybe you dumps it off, but I still think you could find a suitor for Monaghan. My question to you is, would you want Monaghan on your playoff stretch? I'd probably be fine without him at this point. You've proven, like, what's he going to do? Like, again, is he just going to miraculously somehow find his, his scoring talent again? Well, you've seen these playoffs like i don't know like yeah maybe any but... like literally you look at playoff storylines he's ripe for a fucking breakout playoff storyline that's all There's i'm always saying some weird guy who's exactly like, he was really like, Devonte smith kelly like remember with the caps and it was like just like all of a sudden he was like awesome what was the playoffs. guy remember in anaheim was it fucking uh was it krug or something like that like he uh lupel remember lupel joffrey lupel yeah He's like that one playoffs. unreal playoff stretch, and like you never heard of the guy ever again. That's <laughs> gonna be Monahan. I hope so because it's a sad story, and I love the guy. But anyways, Brad True Living says, "Yeah, I mean, there's an article he was interviewed. Despite the good start to the season, he's always concerned." Oops. Brad True Living. You'd think for all this guy's concern, he'd do something. No, he just likes to. Pontificate and showmanship, and I've been horseshit. The team's been horseshit. Starts with me. I've been horseshit. (laughs) I'm always concerned. Well, I'll tell you, Brad. He always addresses everybody first name. I'll tell you, Ryan. I've been horseshit. I'm very concerned. I'm deeply concerned. Yeah, I, I hate that. He like you can tell he's like he'd be a good politician because like that weird shit where he calls people by their first name, says he, nothing, says nothing in a lot of words. He could talk for uh, sixty minutes and say nothing. He's he could do that. He, he could and does. Some milk and soup. Oh yeah. 
dig through the carcass. Anyways, dude, why don't you straight up go after Tyler Toffoli right now? Seriously, Montreal is in a tailspin. Yeah, what, I don't know. You got it. Come on, dude. Yeah, something. Something's got to happen. I really do think this is. It's now. It's time. Like it's time. It ha- it has to happen. A trade has to happen. You've got to get somebody who can score some goals. It's it's time. <laughs>